Well, hey everyone, this is uh, Steve Weens. I'm with Kevin Butcher, my dear friend. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Steve. Man, it's so good to see your face. And uh, as we were catching up, uh, I know you just moved out to Colorado. That's a big move from Detroit, Michigan to Colorado. How's the move been? It's been great. And, you know, to think that all three of your daughters from Michigan landed in the Denver area, Boulder, Denver area, it's it's like it, it, it's a phenomenon. So we decided at a certain point we're coming and we did during COVID. That's so good. Yeah, that's an amazing time to make a move. Indeed. I'm sure that had its had its challenges, it right? Did. But, uh, like petrified at points, you know, yeah, but here yeah. we are. Thank God. Well, we're going to catch up on a lot of things, especially your new book, um, which is fabulous. You're such a good writer, man. I mean, and, and your stories, your stories are so compelling. Um, and so you were on the podcast several years ago, but people may meet, need to be reminded that you and I met uh, we didn't know each other at all. We met on this little trip to go see Eugene Peterson. We were, I mean, I, I, that was the trip of my life. I can't believe I um, was going to go see Eugene Peterson. But the the real blessing of that trip for me, honestly, was meeting oh my you. God. Yeah. Uh, right away, right. we, you know, because we we met at the airport. And, Remember uh, I told you? We've, I'm so intimidated by you, bro. You're probably cool. And I... <laughs> You know, can and I was drop so cool. bomb sometimes, and I'm probably not a good Christian, and you are, and you were like, and you just poured your heart out to me, bro. And we, I disabused it. you of that coolness and quick. It, now, no, we that's what I remember. We fell into a kind of uh intimacy, I guess, like, that felt so natural. Yeah. And um, and I've appreciated you over the years, you know, every once in a while, I'll get an email or a text from you, just encouraging and hopefully back and forth, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's rare to, to meet someone and have that quick of a, of a bond and a connection, beautiful. you know, so, gift. so good. Well, your new book is called free rescued from shame based religion released into the life giving love of Jesus. And I got to ask you, uh, cause it's been a few years since you've written your first book. What? What motivated you to sit down again and write another book? Because it's a lot of work. I know it's a lot of work. What was the motivation? What was the inspiration? Well, as you know, I, I didn't really plan ever to write a first book. Uh, but what I did yeah. write was from my heart, the stories of yeah. the love of God, only the love of God that could change human beings that had on many levels, various walks of life, walked walked away into the far country. I, I thought, this is it. There's my book, um, God Please Use It. And then I had some very close friends, one especially a very close friend, a sister in Christ. It's like my own sister, uh, wife of a pastor, brother of mine who's, who's close to me. She said, Kevin, I'm with you, man. That book recentered me on the point which is the yep. love of God in Christ for each of us as his sons and daughters. But some of us need more about how. Yeah. And as you might imagine, my, my pride, my, yeah, my pride just said, girl, go back and read the first book. It's all yeah. there. It was it's complete. There. Yeah. I didn't yeah. leave anything out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I calmed myself down and listened, just listened yeah. to her. And she was saying, she wasn't a person that wanted a list. How do you, assign a list right. to how to connect intimately in a relationship. 
She what she didn't want that, but she wanted more of a pathway. So yeah. she knew all the rules from her Christian upbringing. She was asking for a relational pathway to intimacy. And and one day I just said, Lord, I think maybe you're talking to me again. And I don't know if I can do this. Had many doubts through the process, Steve, but what you reviewed, what you have in front of you is what I think God poured through me. Yeah. Well, it's more of your stories. Indeed. And it, you just bleed right on the page. Your heart for unconditional love and yes. grace is so powerful. That's your message. That's your life's it message is. for sure. Well, it saved my life, um, as you know. I've seen yeah. that love save so many other lives. Indeed, it is my message. I think it's honestly, yeah. I think it's God's message. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, because what else is worth it? You know, formulas, religion, pathways that only make us tired uh, and fill us with shame. At the end of the day, you know, religious, the religious false self is probably one of the one of the worst <laughs> um, inhibitors of experiencing God's true love and grace and compassion and mercy, which is absolutely happens, right. Absolutely. You know, so, well, as you sat and then thought about that, like, how did you start to think about putting down into words, not a formula, uh, but, a a set of, but, but, but a pathway, like how, how yeah. did you start to, how did you start to figure out what you already thought and, and knew and put it, you know, and cause that's a process. It is. And you know, how as a writer, that's yeah. a process you've been yeah. through. And yeah. you basically described that I, I sat down and I said, literally, God, what yeah. is it that over the years from your word, and I'm not talking cherry picking here, Steve, I, I don't believe in cherry picking Bible verses. That's not the point. What is the story? Genesis to Revelation. And yeah, where are yeah. the texts and the passages and the stories in the biblical text, the biblical narrative that illustrate what you, you're trying to do with us and how you're trying to do yeah. it? And then I said, and Father, would you please bring to the surface in some kind of organized fashion what it has been for me, what my journey has been like? Uh, to grow an in intimacy with you and, and maybe from some of the other stories that I've been connected with as a pastor and as a human being. And I just started writing stuff down. You know, that's how it goes. You write it down. And of course, I had help from my editor and from many others, but that's how it was. It came out of the scripture. I want folk yeah. to know this is not just some, I didn't just go to therapy. Yeah, I went to therapy, proud of it. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. like I just took all that from the therapy office and put it on the printed page. There's a lot of truth there. But I wanted to say, if this is truth, what I'm learning about the love of God, love of others, love of self, if it's as core as I believe it is, it's got to come from the biblical narrative. And yeah. so it was yeah. from there and from experience and story that I merged. I, I, I think I found a pathway. The Maybe the pathway, who knows? Do you think transitioning your career from being full-time pastor now to doing a nonprofit uh, shaped that the the book in a way that you would have written a different book if you would have still been a full-time pastor, etc.? No, and I'll tell you why. And I see this, I see you this way too, for what it's worth, um, Steve. I never wanted, God, I never wanted the pastoral <laughs> label. 
I never yeah. wore it well. I never fit. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, it was a way I made my living. And so yeah. I would, I would claim the label, but yeah. I was never anything but me when yeah. I was a senior leader, a lead pastor. And when I yeah. stepped away, because I felt literally God saying, it's time to let go, son. I was still me. So when I walked mm. into the 7-Eleven, you know, to get my coffee as a pastor, I would look at the person across that counter. And because of my journey toward being seen by God, the father, as his son, I would see and being saturated mm. in that love. Steve, I would see that person on the other side of the counter as being a daughter or son of God. I, that's the way I saw them. They happened to yep. be giving me my change. But yeah. as a pastor, I saw them that way. And when I left the pastorate, I still saw them that way. It had really nothing to do with full-time ministry. Thank you for clarifying that. And by the way, I do feel the I same way. Do. I have never so I love you. <laughs> I've never felt comfortable. I've always sort of tried to run away from it. You know what I mean? Like try, oh, is there any <laughs> is there any <laughs> is there anything else I can exactly. do? And and then at some point though I think here, here's how I maybe it's true for you God sort of has whispered to me like you know you can call it whatever you want to call it but you are you are a pastor you, go, a you care about people you yes. shepherd people you you help people and you do it flaw with lots of flaws Amen. and lots of foibles but you can run from that but you'll still do that no matter what you, you do it. so you can get your paycheck here or there or there. And that's when I started to settle in and say, okay, well, then I can probably last a little bit longer. Anyway. Exactly. And as you know, what I do now is I have a nonprofit for pastors, quite frankly, yeah. to try to help them see themselves as sons and daughters of God, beloved yeah. sons and daughters of God first. And then yeah. whatever they have to do with that pastor level, do what you got to do. But that has to be the core as we're dealing with human beings. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Well, speaking about pastors and the, even like diving into your book, I, I actually, I love the subtitle, uh, Rescued from Shame-Based Religion. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that? I know what you mean, but I don't know that everyone does. What is shame-based religion and how does it affect your relationship with yourself, with God, with others? Well, you're going to have to tell me if I get going here and start to, to, to preach because I'm not trying to do that. But it starts for me in the biblical narrative in Genesis 3, where, as you know, in Genesis 2.25, you've got Adam and Eve naked and not ashamed, absolute yeah. intimacy, masks yeah. off, and God is right there with his arms around them. There is no shame. There is no sin. All they know is the the freeing love of God in Christ. Then Satan says, Satan crawls up to the scene and says, that love is cool, but it's not complete. What you need is this yeah. knowledge of good and evil, which God, of course, was protecting us from because we couldn't handle it. He wasn't trying to keep it right. for himself, except that he knew that was his realm, not ours. So we, we right. ate the fruit, good and evil entered the world. And the, the first result of sin was shame. Adam and Eve looked at themselves and saw their humanness in a new light and instead of feeling and knowing their belovedness so that that was the ground of their existence in every relationship, they started to hide because that's all they could do. 
and they mm. ran from one another and relationships started to fall apart. What happened, Adam? It was that woman you gave me. And by mm. and one chapter later, you know, God had said, mm-hmm. if you do this, you'll die. One chapter later, mm-hmm. Abel mm-hmm. was dead. Yeah. And I would suspect, and Greg Boyd wrote this incredible book called Repenting of Religion, uh, yeah, Turning yeah. from Judgment to the Love of God. He says, ever since then, that's been the struggle to mm. try to, in Christ, reclaim Eden, where we're intended to be free, mask off. What we mm. know is that we're beloved sons and daughters. We're rooted and grounded in that love, which, as you know, Paul says, uh, fills us with all the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only other alternative, there's only one, there's not six, there's only one. Right. If we're not grounded right. in that love, then we have to look around and say, how am I doing? Right. Which is on most days, if we're honest, it's like struggling like hell on many levels, uh, rebellion, uh, hurting people, hurting myself. Yep. So it's either shame or the love of the father. And as you know, shame Mm -hmm. at the age of 38 was what almost Mm -hmm. killed me. I wanted to take my own life. Because though I was incredibly in touch with the biblical text, I had all this Greek and Hebrew, and I was a successful pastor, I wanted to kill myself because I didn't know the love of God. And the only alternative was shame. And I tried to hide the shame, overcome the shame by performance, which eventually it just wears you out. Couldn't do it anymore. And I believe that's true for everyone. Well, I agree. And I, I think that that story in the garden where um, they feel the shame, they blame each other, they cover each other yeah. up with you know animal skins, and God is there just saying, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the question, which is a terrifying question, actually, but it's also it the question that's designed to bring us out of shame and into intimacy again. So there it is right there. That's so you, you state things so well, Steve, it's the way you write too. It's one of the reasons I love your writing. Um, I think when Jesus came, you know, the first goodbye as a result of shame was at the garden with those two angelic beings Mm. on each side Mm. of God, the father, as he watched Adam and Eve Mm. walk away yeah. And when he sent Christ, the God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died mm-hmm. for us. He sent mm-hmm. Christ to say, come home. Yeah. The love has been here all the time. Yeah. In me, you can see it. In fact, I'm going to the cross. Isn't it interesting that Hebrews 12 says that he despised the shame? On yeah. the cross, Jesus said, go back to hell where you came from. You are from hell. Shame. You have no part in God's yeah. kingdom. And the yep. love, N.T. Wright says, is what kept him there on the cross when he could have called 10,000 yep. angels. And yep. so love defeated shame at the cross. And the message of the gospel to the brokenness in the world is every broken human being, you can leave that shame and come home now in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's free. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's free. Unconditional. And it's yeah. forever. Yes, yes, yes. And it seems to me, I love that. I lo- keep going. I mean, that's, I love your passion, Kevin. And it seems to me that your know, religion, shame-based religion, any shame-based any. religion is designed to keep us in control of uh, our picture of ourselves, our picture of God, our picture of others. And we end up 
determining our worth by the only way that we can. If we're not gonna do love, like you said, shame is it's gonna be by measuring my worth over and against some standard that is gonna move, you know, according to whatever leaders in place, whatever person says you need to do this in order to be loved. Whatever era you, you live need in. to do that. Whatever country yeah, you live in. Yeah. Right. And there's so many ways to, you know, to, to try to measure up, oh. you know, it's like how woke you are or how um, compassionate you are even, you know, but then I go to first Corinthians 13, which, you know, is really not for weddings, although it's oh, a great wedding. But we've made it. it that. It's for, yeah. no, but it's for communities yes. who are trying to figure out that I don't care. You can have great theology. If your theology, if, if it does not lend itself out in, love and patience and compassion and then you got nothing fact, and paul's so careful there he says if you have all faith all knowledge yeah, yeah if you're yeah, left brain yeah. as a western believer yeah. he might have said yep. prophetically if you've got every bible verse message or every bible verse memorized and you've got it on a list underneath your eyelid where you get up in the yeah. morning it's like here's the list but you yeah. don't have love <laughs> he says now this is strong he says not yeah. only do you have nothing Art. Yeah. 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 And that's what I yeah. felt mm -hmm. when God reached yep. through the veil between earth and glory and rescued me. That's all I can tell you. Mm -hmm. what, it's what it was. He mm -hmm. rescued me with his love. Yeah. So that's all I want to tell people about. We can talk about Ooh. anything, but at some point I want to say, mm -hmm. so, hey, do you know? Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me how it is with you and knowing how loved you are, because mm. that's the essence mm. of it all. When you work with pastors, what do you, what sense do you get? Like, what's their answer? Honestly, my sense, Steve, and as you know, I mean, we're not sitting here in judgment. This is our community, man. So no, I, yeah. I have no yeah. judgment for these brothers and sisters because everything in a, in Christianity pushes them toward this place where they right. they measure themselves by performance. Their people have a tendency and, and their hero worship to measure them by performance. But what 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 happens is insidiously now, because we know the Bible verses. Mm -hmm. Insidiously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we can yeah. quote yeah. the verses about the love of God and we preach them well. Yep. I was great at telling people through sermons how loved they were. People would weep <laughs> yeah. and I go home and yep. shame the hell out of myself. For right, a bad right, sermon, right, let alone whatever else. Right, right. What, what I find, Steve, is that many, many, many pastors, the ones that I am working with, and that they are across the board ethnically, mm -hmm. in terms of economics, mm -hmm. large churches, small churches, they struggle to know that they are personally, completely, and unconditionally mm -hmm. loved by a God who calls them beloved son, beloved daughter. Mm, mm, mm. they don't know mm. well that rings true for my experience sometimes me for sure i mean i'm you said you're an enneagram eight before we press record which i knew you know i'm an enneagram Wait, three how did you know <laughs> oh you're a three i forgot that yeah. i'm a three and you know so threes we made the decision long ago that the way that we were going to build our own self-worth is going to be to achieve to be ad admired exactly. um, to be chameleons that figure out exactly what the room needs in order to get the applause and that's 
to be honest, that's a really tough program to re to deprogram, you know, because at some point in my childhood or young adulthood or something, I experienced some pain and my, my, my ego decided the way to deal with that pain was to achieve, was to be admired, was to be successful, was to do that. And so to the degree that I could stay successful, yeah, I would be doing okay. But the problem with that is that shame is lurking so hardcore within that paradigm because there is, I will always compare myself to someone who did it better. In fact, Kevin, true story yesterday, right? So my books have not sold well. True story. There's this person that I love and she published a book that was amazing. And I was just, I just happened to be on Amazon and her, her book came up and I saw the review, the, the number of reviews yeah. that she got. And then I paid, I consciously paged down to see her rank, the number of the rank and the Amazon rank. And I compared it to my, <laughs> any of my books and the, the chasm was so big. And I just felt just like, uh, here I am age 50. Uh, I'm not over this. I'm, I'm still, you know, trying to gauge my worth based on my achievements. So I get it. I get what you're saying. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't graduated into that, whatever. No one has, I don't think, but I'm still struggling with it. So that's why I need to be around people like you read these kinds of books. And I know you haven't graduated either. I know Absolutely you'd be the not. last person. Absolutely. In fact, well, if, if shame is Satan's main tool, and I absolutely believe it is from the garden yep. forward. Oh, look, Revelation yep. 12, what's Satan doing? Yep. What he did in, Re- yep. in, in Genesis 3, accusing yeah. the brothers and sisters day and night. Yep. Then we should yep. expect that no matter how many victories we win over shame, Satan is basically saying, wait till next time. Yeah. So, okay, I'm not looking for a formula. You know, there isn't one. I'm not looking for three points. But I am looking for an answer to this question. Like in your actual life, Kevin, how do you, what are some practices, experiences, relationships that you have put in place to keep you more anchored in love and not anchored in shame? Well, a couple of things. And again, these are um, like signposts on a pathway. Uh, not, yeah. not a list of got to do's and disciplines and whatnot. In fact, I happen to believe that most of what we call spiritual disciplines, we there are some, but I don't think they're usually what we call spiritual disciplines. They were meant to be invitations to intimacy, yes. like prayer and Bible study and whatnot. But for me, and I think biblically speaking, um, one of the first signposts is you've got to take an honest look at the scripture over and over and over again and say, what's really there? And yeah. and what I find, again, Genesis to Revelation is uh, love is at the core. Even in Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema of Israel, it's not mm-hmm. just like teach your children to obey these commandments. It's teach them first that I love them, Je- uh, Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 7. I love them just because I do. It's unconditional. I yeah. chose them. Yeah. And then in Deuteronomy yeah. 6, teach them to love me. Oh yeah, and by the way, teach them commandments in that in that uh, in that soil. That's Deuteronomy, bro. Um, yeah. When Marcion, you know, divided his canon between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, I mean, no disrespect to Marcion, but did he miss that? 
So right, to me, first, right. it's like it's in the book, every line. Yep. Secondly, I don't see anywhere in the scripture from David to Elijah to Peter when he was on point, any casual left brain only. It's a choice I make because it's probably the right thing to do. Ambiance with our relationship with God. What I see mm-hmm. is desperation yeah, and yeah. passion as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. another signpost for me every day, Steve, is I've got to recognize my desperation. I need him or I'm not just struggling. I begin to fall apart. Now I may hold Mm -hmm. it together on the outside, but I know what's going on on the inside if, or in my relationships, if I'm honest. So Mm -hmm. central to the word desperation, by the way, um, who is it? Uh, Lewis's literary mentor, McDonald, who says Mm -hmm. our hearts are created to be passionate about something. So if we're not, if we have relegated Christianity or our relationship with Jesus to some non-passionate space, promise Mm -hmm. you, every one of us is passionate about something that is taking Mm -hmm. the place of our loving Jesus as our pursuit in life. Mm -hmm. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's the second signpost. And maybe a third signpost is I've, got to see Jesus the way he's presented in scripture, which is not as some kind of a um, benevolent CEO who is cheering us on toward greater good deeds and uh, (laughs) higher mountains that we climb. I have come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He presents himself as our one great love who is our healer. Yes, we are sinful, but that sinfulness is commingled from beginning to end with brokenness. He's not just saying, get your act together, read the Bible more, uh, Mm -hmm. listen to that sermon series 10 more times. It's fruitless. We might, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to any other world religion, but there's lists in every other world religion that we can just Go to those lists. Some of them are pretty good lists. Yeah. He's yeah. saying, yeah. connect with me, abide in my love, John 15, 9, and watch my love, Steve, mm. heal you mm-hmm. and set you free to be mm-hmm. obedient, to bear real mm-hmm. fruit in our broken yeah. world. So there's three mm. signposts that I that I write about and that and yeah. that are for me every day. Mm-hmm. Right there in my heart, or I begin to wander toward the far country. And, yep. and I will tell yep. you, so my Bible reading, my, my study of the scripture, I don't want to freak your listeners out, but I never read it unless I want to. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? I want to quite often because I'm desperate to connect with my one great love. So I don't see this as much as a discipline as mm-hmm. his invitation to me, hey, Kev, if you realize how much you need me today, son, I know one place that you can kind of find out about yeah. how I'm feeling about you today and yeah. our mission. 
I don't go there to get my marching orders. I go there to connect with my love and prayer. I get I get setting aside times for prayer. I get liturgical prayers. I'm about all of it. But for me, I pray when I get up in the night to take a leak. I'm praying when I go to bed at night, reading the book that's making me fall asleep. I, I'm praying right now as I'm talking to you yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. so desperate for him. I'm just mm-hmm. talking to him. And, and by and large, yeah. Steve, I don't pray for answers, though I do pray for answers. I do pray for what I think I need. But I just got to be with him, man. Mm-hmm. If I'm not with him, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm lost. Well, it it seems like it comes down to a handful there. I don't know if that was no. I love everything, and what I'm translating that is it. But it seems like whether it relates to prayer or Bible reading or going to church or anything, Any of it. it's your picture of God, right? If if your picture of God is that God is loving and wants you to come home and invites you to intimacy, then probably (laughs) you're going to want, you're going to eventually get desperate enough to want to say yes. We're created for it. We're created for it. On the other hand, it seems to me that if you have a faulty picture of God, that God is out to get you, God is out to, and I think that almost sounds like a cliche for those of us who've grown up in the church. Well, of course, I don't think that God is out to get me, but but if we're resisting all those things, there is probably a picture, don't you think, totally Kevin, agree. of God that is that is preventing you. And and if if God is like that, then why would you want like you shouldn't go to God? You, you know, if God really is out to get you, out to point out your flaws, then stay away from God, you know. Um, but if God mm-hmm. is really loving and really is always inviting you back into intimacy, then if I get desperate enough, which that's the key, right? To me, you just got to own it. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. In fact, you know Dr. Yeah. Kurt Thompson, who wrote that incredible yeah. book, Soul of Shame. Yeah. Um, he said in a conference that I was at a couple of years ago, he said, every one of us, Steve, this, this really profoundly moved me. He said, every one of us comes out of the womb looking for someone, looking for us with delight. Mm. And he said, today I'm 56 years old and that's still my longing. Mm. So to your point, I only use that illustration because your point is if we see God who is frowning, turning Mm. away in disgust, rolling Mm. his eyes as we know our parents did so often at us, (laughs) uh, it's not about not him not having boundaries or being stern at times, but we know when that sternness is out of love for us or whether it's self-centered yeah. arrogance or hatred, um, we are created to respond to that love, mm. not to the rules. That is a result of the fall. That bad theology is a result yep. of Satan's lie in Genesis 3. Yep, yep, yep. And it's the, to me, you know, we can have some of the most biblical people be the most rules-based people, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, to me that, that bad theology, again, it's like, it, it's almost designed to keep God away, actually. It's designed to keep, um, control of your relationship with God, yourself and others. And I think, I love your word desperation too, because they're, they're, there comes a point in all of us. Well, and I want to say, let me, let me back up. When we talk about sin, you know, and we need to, 
Yes, of course. I think, I think the great reversal, the great secret, the great aha is when I stop being secret about my sin, when I stop hiding from my sin, when I really actually name it, my sin is the doorway through which God comes and loves me. You know, because like, isn't that you getting desperate? If yes. I own my sin, but realize he doesn't hate me or reject me or just point his finger saying, you better get your stuff together in my sin, yeah. but says, of course I see daughter. Of mm-hmm. course I see son. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do about that? I'm going to invite you to come home. Wherever yeah. you've been wandering out in that far country with that particular sin, come home. Your, your arms, it's the image of the father sprinting out to get to the prodigal, whereas he prepared his repentance speech yep. and yep. began yep. to yep. share, as you know, the first two lines, he goes, stop. The father says, stop. And he pulled him in and he pulled his neck down on his chest and he wept over him and said he had compassion for him. And of course, he gave them, you know, the the, the fatted calf and the, the sandals and the ring. And he said, it's party time, not we need to go back to school to learn how to not do what you just did. It's party time because my son has come home. Because mm-hmm. when we're home, this is why Jesus, Steve, said, and he could have said anything to the disciples when he was sending them out. As yeah. the Father has loved me, so love I you. This is the only way you're going to be able to yeah. not just survive, but overcome. Yeah. Abide, make your home in my love. Because when I'm home there, Steve, I don't sin. Yeah. So the, yeah. the prodigal story is the picture Once the son came home, once he got desperate and realized he needed the father, no need for lecture, Mm -mm. no need for remedial, you know, Mm -mm. sin Mm -mm. teaching 102, just him and his love. He's good. No need for words, even. No need for words. Just that embrace. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, I love your heart, man. I just, we haven't spoken for a few years, but I find myself feeling lifted up and encouraged yeah. to, um, to return, you know, yeah. in all the ways that I've wandered off. And I like even that for, it's like, I had another friend, um, that is a mentor of mine, but he, he would talk about that. Like, you know, sometimes it's, we, intentionally walk away but a lot of times of we just we just wander off and we didn't even mean to you know but like we wake up one day and we go oh my goodness where am i yeah like a two-year-old you know, that all of a sudden um, they're on the other side of the park and they don't even know how they got yeah. there they weren't saying i hate mom they just no satan by the way that's his best kind of enticement to leaving it's the breadcrumb trail it's not hey here's my horns in a pitchfork right don't you want me it's Hey, here's a little light. Well, it looks pretty light to me. And here's a little light. And here's a little light. All of a sudden, man, you're in darkness. Yep. Yep. You weren't even trying to get there because in our right minds, we never go there. We're made. We're looking for someone looking for us with the light. Yep. We're looking for someone looking for us that's looking at us with the light. light. Oh, I love that. And if that's God, that's good news. You know, good news. Indeed. 
Well, Kev, we're out of time, but I want to ask you a couple last things okay. before we go. So let's say there's some pastors listening and they're like, whoa, I want it. Like you mentioned a ministry that you have, two pastors. What is that ministry and how would people inquire about getting involved in your your services? Well, write a big check and uh, no, I'm because <laughs> yeah. I know we don't send to Steve Weens. Yeah, yeah, first. <laughs> and I'll make sure you're Kevin my gets agent. It. Uh, <laughs> honestly, you know, it it has nothing to do with that at all. It's if you sense I I don't know, I feel marginalized, maybe alone, not sure who I can trust and talk to. I'm not presenting myself or my team. We're not perfect but we have sensitivity to that feeling, that sense of isolation and sometimes hopelessness because we've lived it. And yep. so www.rootedministries.co, www.rootedministries.co, not .com, but .co. And they can connect with me personally there. I will, I will get that message and I can promise I will reach out with no expectation. And Steve, I don't know how to say this, but with tears running down my face with absolutely no judgment. Yeah. Now, obviously, if, they, if, if a pastor is in a position of being so desperate that they're starting to hurt themselves or others in some way, overtly or covertly, I will step into that and try to get them help. But what I want them to know is I am them. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to walk with them and provide for them relational um, camaraderie, the love of Christ in human form that maybe I never had or struggled to have when I was pastoring. Yeah. Whew. So rootedministries.co. I'll put that on the show notes as well, everybody. So cool. just look in the show notes or just look in the description of this podcast episode, wherever you're listening, Stitcher, iTunes, it'll, it'll, it'll all be right there. It'll also be, uh, it'll also show how you can follow Kevin on his social media, uh, channels and channels. Is it channels? I don't, I don't even, even know. know social media, whatever's, uh, and then also it'll have a link to his brand new book, which is called free Rescued from Shame-Based Religion, Released into the Life-Giving Love of Jesus by Kevin Butcher. I encourage you to get that um, wherever you buy books. Amen. So, Kevin, thanks so much, man. This was so rich, and I can't wait for folks to hear it. Uh, so I love you, man. I appreciate it, and man. You know, I mean you that. Too. I don't say those words lightly, and I hope I know. we can connect. It's been too long, and... Dude, we'd be talking like this. Microphones are not. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe, that's true. Maybe this is an invitation to both of us to say, let's set aside a time, grab a beer or a coke or whatever, and just share Talk. our hearts. I'm in. Let's do that. All right. I'm into. I'm into. Um, well, blessings to Carla. I haven't met her in person, but I feel like right. I want to send my blessings Amen. to her. Thanks, and, uh, peace, Kev. Love you. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook. 
uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.